Welcome to our second segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 28th of March, 2021. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Now, last week, the government announced it was divesting itself of 10% of Guyak shares and making them available to the general public. The divestment had been discussed for some time, a number of years actually, and was conceived as a means of empowering those who have the ability and could seize the opportunity to invest in the company. Um, if you're interested, you can web search Weark Invest and you'll find all the information on Weark's website. Uh, today, we wanted to get a reaction to the divestment and we also wanted to talk about why and when someone should invest in something. A large company, a small business, bonds, etc. And also good personal money management. So we'll be asking what do our guests think of the share offer and what are the basics one ought to know about personal financial management, budgeting and investing. Joining our panel for this discussion, we're happy to have with us Miss Erica Edwards, who is a business development professional working in an insurance agency. She has more than 20 years of experience in marketing, customer relations, business and management, spanning across several industries. A good afternoon to you, Miss Erica Edwards. Good afternoon, Mr. Murdoch. Thank you for having me, and I'd like to say a pleasant good afternoon to your listeners and to our other guests. Uh, we also have joining us on this panel Mr. Hendron Parker. Mr. Hendron Parker is a business services consultant, and many would recognize his name. He's a or was formerly an independent senator in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. Hendron Parker. And we also say good afternoon to Mr. Jeremy Stephen. He is uh, based in Barbados. He's a financial analyst. Uh, he's joined this program before, and we're happy to have him. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Jeremy Stephen. Miss Erica Edwards, uh, if I could just get your reaction to the um, the WIAC, uh, uh share divestment. I mean, just your, your 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 general reaction to it. It's something that the government had been talking about for quite a while, uh, and the idea uh, that they have uh, said is behind it is so that the the average man can have an opportunity uh, to make an investment which could uh, profit him or her in the long run. Um, what is your reaction, Karen? I think it is a fantastic move that the government has made in order to allow these shares to be acquired in West Indies oil. Um, I think our generation, um, we have some Gen Z's coming up, my generation, the millennials, have been looking at alternate ways of investing. Um, traditionally, we have done saving in the bank, maybe a little insurance, but I think that people's risk tolerance are now a bit higher and we are now looking for other ways. And I think this is an opportunity for people with a higher risk tolerance and the financial means to be able to do so. Um, my concern though, is the amount of money required to the minimum share issue and the amount of money required to invest because the average man does not really have $3,000 sitting around in these COVID times. So I am a bit concerned about who will be able to take advantage of this particular offering. That is my main concern. Uh, Mr. Hendron Parker, uh, your reaction to the, the offering of shares by WEOC, um, what is your impression of it? Yes, uh, similarly, I'm really happy to see this happening. I think uh, more of this kind of activity needs to be made um, available that um, common citizens can participate in ownership of profitable organizations. I, yes, it is a, 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 a sort of big ask at this time for $3,000 to 
as as the minimum share. Uh, I think the objective um, should be a, a bit more um, open uh, so that um, more can participate. Uh, but um, it's a start, and sometimes the most important thing to do is to start the ball rolling. And we hope that um, this initial offering by West Indies Oil uh, will will not be the first and only. And uh, Mr. Jeremy Stephen, um, your impression of the offering of shares, uh, and I'm curious to know whether or not that's something that you've seen happen in other Caribbean islands, uh, even in Barbados. Uh, what do you think, Mr. Jeremy Stephen? Oh, hey, certainly. Uh, it has happened in Barbados, but for, and it seems, um, slightly different reasons. So our national oil company, uh, the, well, the terminal company, the BNTCL, the so everything in oil is separated into two things in Barbados, pretty much 100% government owned, however, as opposed to what is happening in Antigua, where it is majority owned by government currently before the issuance of these shares or sale of these shares. And the government controls two companies, one that stores the oil, the BNTCL, Barbados National Terminals Company Limited, and the BNOC, the Barbados National Oil Company. Uh, and the BNTCL was put up for sale a few years back. Primarily, the it was done to help to, I guess, allow the company to have the right shareholders that had the right interest, the right track record, the right experience to manage the property. But uh, pretty much the terminal company doesn't control the price of oil in Barbados. That's done through the BNOCL, sorry, the BNOC, so the National Oil Company. And as maybe the widely known knowledge across the Caribbean in Barbados, oil prices are controlled pretty much by what government sets on the day. They have price controls. So they weren't too worried in the event that should you have a very strong private sector interest taken over the terminal company that you um, would have had the price of oil, I guess, being divergent from past policy, which was always set with a development motive in mind. You know, they used it to collect taxes, to raise revenues so that they can embark on capital projects down the line. And you, you didn't see one day that there was a big increase in the price of oil, for example. And that was a general worry. But um, in essence, it did raise a lot of capital for government or had the potential to raise a lot of capital for government um, that to this day still was able to use to assist in capital projects, as is the intention in Antigua. Uh, projects like these are very good. I, I just like my other panelists here, have no issues with it outside of what was said first by Erica, if I have the name correctly, um, that the average person, if they really stretch, wouldn't be able to participate. But I like the fact that the government has limited, I guess, purchases on a per applicant basis. Though, you know, that could be contrite if companies have several companies or associated companies that could buy together. It does present a, a initiative, I imagine, in Antigua that could allow a broad cross-section of the society to invest. Credit unions, for instance, should encourage their members to probably take portions of their savings if they do have such and invest. That could allow a greater uh, part of Antigua to become investors. But chances are, given that there's around, what, 150, because I did some calculations, 158,000 shares on initial sale. And if there's an oversubscription, it goes up to 300,000 shares. 
thereby, if my calculations are correct, netting the government $18 million in profit, in profit from the, well, in sales, in revenue from the sale of shares. Um, I could imagine that a large private sector interest could become involved in some form or fashion, particularly if there's an oversubscription for the shares, as is anticipated by the government. So for me, the, the main issue would be um, whether, as the government was a relatively recent majority shareholder in the business, maybe if the price of oil and gas in Antigua had stabilized to a point based on government's own initiatives and willingness to ensure that the price doesn't place too many Antiguans in any disadvantage, that, that kind of comfort doesn't go away. And I, I think that's really the only worry from a economic point of view, but from a financial point of view, um, the track record seems relatively nice. I should have really dug in a little bit more into the financials over the last five to 10 years if those were readily available. Um, but investment opportunities like these tend to benefit well, particularly if you have great managers with a great and proven track record managing regardless of who the shareholders were. Thank you. And I'll come back to you, Miss Erica Edwards. Um, you spoke earlier about um, persons, uh, I think you used the term Generation Z, um, looking for different ways to earn an income, to make money and to invest wisely. Uh, can you speak a little more about that and, and what sort of opportunities, um, being that, of course, you know, we live in a, a small island economy and um, it's not as robust as others, um, but what sort of opportunities are there for persons to, to invest and make money in Antigua and Barbuda, do you think? Or what sort of limitations are there? There, I believe there may be more limitations than opportunities. But, Karen, I think we this new generation is thinking a little bit differently from us. We have, I mean, you have ACB who offers shares, but it is very difficult to purchase ACB shares. Those shares are managed internally. And unless you don't have internal insight as to who will be selling shares, it's not very easy for someone from the outside to come in and purchase. I think the main areas of opportunity right now where most people are looking at they're looking at the insurance product products the endowments the um savings plans um they're looking at what is being offered by the credit unions i know some young people who are actually looking outside of antigua to invest in stocks um we do have quite a number of young antiguans who were actually born in the us and canada so they have that opportunity to set up these investment accounts outside, and they are doing so. There are some that I know who are doing so. And so this is why I believe with this offering, young people will be looking at it and looking at the opportunity. What I know some young people are doing and what I actually would encourage others to do, if you don't have 3000 Young people come together all the time to buy a table at a FET for a lot of money. You can actually pool your resources because based on what I saw in the prospectus, the application can have, I think, up to three or four names. And so you can pool your resources and actually purchase the shares together. Later down, I'm sure you can do a transfer of shares if you want to share it up and you want to have your own shares, you want to share it to your children. But I do encourage everybody if you don't have the funds to actually look at pooling your resources to try and get it if you're able to. 
uh, Mr. Hendron Parker, uh, any investment is uh, a sacrifice. It's money that you you could spend now, or you could have now that you are you are determining not to spend, so that you can see returns later. Um, what sort of financial position should one be in uh, if they want to make such an investment? So, if somebody were to say to you, "Look, I, I I'm considering making uh, an investment." Um, and you had to consider their financials, what would you tell them? What would you uh, warn them about, uh, you know, giving up that money depending on how much they have now? Well, looking at it, uh, you ask us of what really is available. So, uh, Alison, it is. She spoke of insurance product. Traditionally, uh, people here have been banking their, their funds. But the, they have seen the interest rates drop to almost insignificant levels. So um, moving funds from a savings account or a deposit account um, to uh, an investment like this, uh, uh, when you look at the returns that um, West Indies Oil um, have been uh, producing over the last five years, uh, it's really well worth it. Uh, you are moving it into a fairly secure um, uh, industry. Um, even though the world is moving to the, towards the green economy, uh, there will be a lag locally. Uh, we tend to follow behind the American market and the European market and I would say that is uh, three years out, um, and so we we may be looking at a, a dominance of petroleum-led uh, energy sources for the for the next five years, uh, and the great potential for Western this oil to continue to have that great profit line if managed properly. So um, yes, it's a sacrifice um, if you're pulling it from uh, resources that you are using on a day-to-day -day basis. But if you have your, 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 your money in a bank account only, um, earning uh, 3% and, and, and so forth, um, it's really uh, a, a better arrangement uh, to have it in a product um, that can generate uh, significant um, income uh when 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 the dividends are allocated and mr mr jeremy stephen on the issue of um how you would advise someone who says you know look i want to invest in this but uh you know uh, tell me what sort of financial position i should be in in order to be safe in that i'm you know giving up this is a sacrifice but I, I still have enough to uh carry out my my daily activities the rule of thumb is always that you should invest what you could afford to lose depending on the level of risk so if a particular asset, say a stock, you know, there's no limit internationally because uh, the Caribbean differs in this regard, but there's no limit on how high or how low uh, the price of a stock pretty much would move. So those are considered to be a little more or a lot more risky than say investing in government debt or insurance products, as is the case of what seems to be popular in Antigua and Barbuda. So, you know, if it is that you want to because you're afraid of losing money but you want to build wealth slowly you want to be sure that whatever you put in that there's a high unlikelihood that you will lose it or lose some part of it 
you know, go the traditional path, put some money into insurance products, buy some land, build a property, rent it out responsibly, learn a lot more about what you're doing to reduce that kind of risk, leave your money in the bank. Doesn't mean you build your wealth that in a way that outpaces the rate of inflation. In other words, that should you manage to invest a lot, you know, what you're getting in return wouldn't necessarily allow you to live as inter as in inflation rises uh, in a comfortable manner. That is, every year the price of things go up. Well, you would want that the return on investment grows in a similar manner. And across the Caribbean, the rate of inflation very much hovers around 6% per annum, thereabouts on average. So, you know, you might want to take on a bit more risk, but they say, you know, you should have a capacity for that risk, i.e. enough money, be a willingness to take on that risk, see enough education to help you know when to avoid or to limit your downside. In other words, if there's a chance that mu that you're going to see the prices of some asset or some number of assets fall, that you can be aware that it's going to happen and you can make the right moves to ensure that it doesn't affect you. That is, sell what you have and keep cash or go into another asset that provides a similar level of, of return, but not necessarily at that point. Uh, you are seeing some fall in prices. So, but I want to say too, um, just to follow on from something Erica said earlier, I just hope I'm getting the name correct. Yes, yes. Uh, that, yeah, good. Sorry. So, I want to be very certain that it is clear that as members of CARICOM, as the CSME, that Antiguans can also invest. You might not want to right now. Um, but definitely, you might want to invest in investment assets across the CSME, also within the OECS. Um, there's the OECS stock exchange. And yes, it may be a case where, as was said with Erica, the assets are thinly traded. In other words, that you need to know who's willing to sell in order to time your purchases correctly. Uh, but then you have the case where in Barbados, that isn't necessary. But returns in Barbados right now are very paltry, given that we're in COVID. But then we have our great neighbor to the south in Guyana. And I mean, personally, I'm very open about this. I've invested in Guyanese companies. This is going on almost seven years now. And it's the best performance stock market in the Caribbean. The issue with them, however, is that they're fairly unsophisticated in the way they do things. I.e., you, you, you just can't call up a broker and ask the broker to make a trade or even... Worse yet, compared to Trinidad, where I'm also invested, and Jamaica, where I'm not invested, uh, you, you, you can be pretty much go online and execute your own trades on your own behalf if you have the knowledge um, to do so, or at least the knowledge to disseminate a company's financials and what future prospects may look according to, for that company, according to where the economy is headed. So, you know, you can do that, and also the USA... I, I know this for a fact. It, it doesn't matter if you're born in the U.S. or not. Anyone can invest in the U.S. Uh, via um, a good set of their brokers over there. You don't need a social security number. I think a lot of people conflate banking in the United States of America with investing in the United States of America on stocks. So, and I, I know this for a fact. I haven't done it myself as well, too. And I'm not. I wasn't born in the States, so I'm just saying this in addendum to what was said by Erica, not saying that she hasn't or doesn't recognize this fact. 
So, you know, but I'm also reticent to use a program like this uh, that is CARICOM based to say, well, you know what? Think of America first, but I'll be stupid <laughs> in not saying it because there's some of the best returns you can get and the wider varieties that you can get for investment opportunities reside in the U.S. But the fact remains that the opportunities do exist within CARICOM for CARICOM as better yet CSME citizens, and they're fairly simple to do, to be honest. Um, Ms. Erica Edwards, um, on that issue, uh, do you think that, for instance, persons in Antigua and Barbuda who are uh, not nationals but have been residing here for some time um, should also be able to uh, purchase shares in this instance? Karen, I think anyone who has an Antigua and Barbuda passport should be able to purchase shares. We, we have to get away from this thought process of who we consider citizens and who we don't consider citizens. As long as you have an Antigua Barbuda passport, you are a citizen. Um, where the challenge may come in is citizens by investment, who we know have the funds to, to purchase, most have the funds to purchase the maximum shares. And when I looked at the shares, if, if we were looking at maximum shares, it only takes 20, 20 people to purchase all the shares if they were all to purchase maximum shares. And I think that um, this is something to be looked at. I know I saw in the prospectus that they are planning to have another share issue this year. Um, and they are also planning to list on the Eastern Caribbean Securities Exchange. But I think in the next listing, this is definitely something they need to look at. We, we can't limit who purchased the shares, but we can limit how much we allow any one person to purchase so that we create a little bit more equity across the, 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 share, the share issuance. And uh, Mr. Hendren Parker, um, a, a broader question. Uh, generally in Antigua and Barbuda, do you find that um, uh, on average individuals are financially literate enough just in terms of basically how they manage their own finances, how they, uh, they treat with spending and saving and budgeting? Uh, or do you think that is a, a, an issue that we have in that we, we don't, on average, do that well enough individually? I, I believe things are changing. Uh, there was a time when the average person had more than one job back in the um, 80s and so forth. And uh, cash was flowing and people were very liberal about their spending. And some people may have, um, you know, gotten some bad habits um, over, over that period of time. But you find as, uh, as circumstances change and pressures are applied to, um, to people's uh, income and pockets, they make adjustments in their thinking and activities. And you would expect that uh, more thought is placed on spending and, and, and hopefully transitioning to budgeting. It's hard to say whether or not um, that is happening uh, on a broad scale. Uh, you just, um, what, what, what I can say is that the circumstances indicate that uh, that should be happening um, and, um, more than I can say that um, what is actually happening. 
And uh, if I just jump back to you, Miss Erica Edwards, on the same issue, whether or not you think that uh, broadly on average, um, each and every citizen is is financially literate enough in that they know how to navigate the banking system, taxation. Uh, well, taxation, of course, if it is that they are you know in a position to have a, a more direct relationship with inland revenue if they're actually running a, a business or a small enterprise or a professional and they pay their own taxes. Um, but that well, the, the average person is well enough aware of how to function in that environment uh, and to be prudent. I will say definitively no. And I know that for a fact. Um, many people, I mean, we, we are not in a society where financial literacy has been a priority. I mean, many of us in this generation will be probably caring for aging parents because of this very same problem. It's not taught in schools. It's not a part of any curriculum anywhere. And the average person really does not know where to readily find this information. I mean, even with taxation as you're, you speak, it's not very easy to just go to any particular place and get information on how to file your taxes, how to, to fill out a form. Uh, I've been to Inland Revenue many times where I have seen people coming in asking, can you please tell me what to do with this? Because I have no idea. I, I, somebody told me I need to file these taxes, but I really don't even know what to do. Some people don't even know what taxes they need to file. You know, so... I, I think a lot of work needs to be done, and especially where it comes to managing finances and investment opportunities, that is an area that I think needs to be looked at. And I think this is an opportunity for the financial advisors because there are financial advisors here, but we don't hear too much about them. You know, who know about them, know about them, but they need to become more visible. They need to offer their services a lot more and I think they also need to offer their services pro bono to go into the schools, especially the secondary schools, fourth and fifth form students, and start to educate them on financial management, investment, because it will work out for them in the long run. When these young people come out of school, they, they will already be au fait with financial management and with them as financial managers. And uh, just before I come back to you, Mr. Jeremy Stephen, I'd, I'd ask Mr. Hendren Parker on that point in Antigua, do you think there's this value to that suggestion that we could um, uh, begin with our youth at, at fourth and fifth form level, uh, give them some basic knowledge of managing their own personal finances? It's always a good place to start. Uh, you have a captive audience and, uh, and also a receptive audience. And that, um, you know, with the youth, um, there's also the potential for change. Um, when people get to a certain age, uh, they are unwilling, well, many are unwilling to put themselves in a position to acquire the knowledge or to change behavior. Um, it's, it's really needed. Um, some people really take, um, make little effort in um, in trying to get to the information that would be significant in the decision-making, they tend to rely on what they see other people are doing or hear about or, or, or happen to come across rather than to properly research and seek the information out and analyze the, the, the data and to get into 
deep conversation on issues such as finance um, uh, with uh, with people of, of of authority. They they are very unwilling to do to that to uh, to seek that advice of of, of um, financial advisors. advisors. Um, even in the business community, you find that um, the business, the average businessman believes that he is um, an expert in all areas and makes decisions on everything and so without um, really trying to get good advice. Uh, so uh, back to the point, yes, it's important to get to the, 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 the students, the schools, and to start at that young age, to engage them, and to let them feel comfortable with seeking the, um, the information and discussing the topic. And uh, Mr. Jeremy Stephen, on the same issue of um, whether or not you think, um, on average, and you can give your own experience in Barbados and anywhere else, uh, you think persons are financially literate enough, just in terms of uh, good practices for their own personal finances? Um, no, but it's getting better, at least here in Barbados. The right questions have been asked, uh, on, I guess, from the time I was associated with UE until its end, so uh, over the last 10 years by millennials and, of course, uh, Gen Zs, about what other options do they have. There are a lot more people becoming more entrepreneurial, trying to make sure their businesses are run at a level of sophistication that allows them to attract uh, different types of investment. A lot more people are not looking at the bank as a first means to fund a business idea or even for expansion. People are becoming a little more sophisticated with respect to offering, well, you can't say public offerings, but approaching persons with money or approaching communities that may have capacity to invest. Uh, furthermore, there are some ideas coming up. I know in Trinidad they have them for sure, but here in Barbados, uh, you have cases where people are looking at P2P lending, so peer-to-peer -peer lending, and there are a few online options available, at least in the Southern Caribbean, to participate in peer-to-peer -peer lending opportunities, where the website only their responsibilities to help you, the saver or the investor, to assess the risk of a person willing to buy or oh, sorry, to, to borrow money from you or from a collection of persons. Because as we well know, the whole idea of risk analysis is one that still is a bit foreign to most of the general population. Uh, I would go as far as to even say, you know, that um, there are opportunities, sophisticated opportunities to invest in renewable energy projects here in Barbados. Um, there was a recent offering by our largest poetry farmer for instance, where he would have retrofitted, uh, or they, the family, I should say, would have retrofitted the properties with um, solar panels. And the way how it works in Barbados is legally, you have to sell any excess energy that's produced by those solar panels to the national, to Emirates, basically to the national energy provider, through which then they redistribute that energy through the grid to other households in deficit. So what's happening is that you would be paid for that surplus energy being produced. And what those guys noticed that it was you needed to wait a certain amount of time until you get that money from Emira. It could be 30 to 60 days for energy that was supplied to the grid 
prior to those 30-day periods or 60-day periods. So they figured, look, we can offer money to, we can offer an investment opportunity to the general public. And as a result, we get our money up front. We, and it's as if we are borrowing that money that's supposed to be paid for to us um, from the general public. And the general public can enjoy the profits. And we would have the cash up front, which we could use to reinvest into our projects and could probably produce a greater return than the stated 10% per annum return that they're doing. So like, there's a level of sophistication at different levels of um, tranches, I should say, of, of business in Barbados. And at least from my experience in Guyana as well, you're seeing some measures of sophistication. St. Lucia, I'm aware, and Dominica to an extent. So, you know, I, I do feel that people are looking to beat a dead term in Barbados outside of the bank and outside of conventional means to enrich themselves in this environment and may it continue more successfully through COVID and beyond. The term enrich, enrich oneself has special meaning in Antiguan Barbuda. Uh, Miss Erica Edwards, I just wanted to, um, to ask you, there's a question on the board here that says, um, do you think that the experience of investors in Antigua with um, companies such as Clico and Bico will affect their willingness uh, to, to, to invest uh, either in WIOC or in any situation? Karen, I, I think some investors may be risk averse, um, some who may have been burnt by Clico and Bico. Um, I don't think really for WIOC though, it may have such a great impact. Those companies were located in, in Trinidad, whereas West Indies Oil is a homegrown company. We, we're, we're familiar with it. Most of us grew up with it. Um, I think if you read the, prospect, the prospectus, you can see it has been doing very well over the years. Um, we have seen it evolve. We've seen what it came from to what it is now. And I think there is some level of investor confidence that could be gained from that. So although some people may be averse to investing, period, I think as it relates to WIOC, they may be concerned. Now, where we may have the challenge is for them to be open to investing on the Eastern Caribbean Security Exchange or the CARICOM Exchange or even in the U.S. Some people may prefer to keep things safer at home with the credit union, with the banks that they're already familiar with. But as it relates to WIAC, I think there is some, some, um, some leverage there. And I think oh, as we move ahead, you're going to see probably some of the banks as well start listing on the, the Eastern Caribbean Security Exchange. And I think when that happens, we may see more of that happening, more investing happening. And uh, Mr. Hendren Parker, we're drawing down to the uh, towards the end of this segment. Um, what what final word would you want to leave us with? And I'll also give Mr. Jeremy Stephen an opportunity, and then I'll, I'll come back to Ms. Erica Edwards. But uh, what what final word would you want to leave us with? We discussed um, the, basically a reaction to the fact that we are um, shares are available to the public through the government's divestment, and also the need for persons to, um, or, or generally the need for greater financial literacy. Uh, what word would you want to leave us with, Mr. Hendren Parker? Mr. Andrew Parker. 
perhaps he's on a coffee break. Uh, Mr. Jeremy Stephen, um, what word would you want to leave us with um, as we come to the end of this segment? I, I, I do applaud the, thanks for that, but I do applaud the initiative by the Antiguan government uh, to offer such an investment opportunity to the people of Antigua. And I hope that, you know, even, I, I don't know when the deadline is for the opportunity. I imagine it extends until everything is sold, uh, that people could actually collaborate under, it could be, uh, I don't know, corporate names under firms, whatever the case may be, collectively do it together so that they can invest and you know even outside of credit unions and that the credit unions themselves take the advantage of the opportunity to invest in something like this um but also to say to persons in antigua and barbados that barbudas barbudas just oh i'm so sorry uh that you know the opportunity to invest through caricom is an ever-present one along with outside of caricom and csme uh, you know, if opportunities at home don't really make sense, that try your best at Caricom. There are quite a few investment opportunities that just make sense. But in the meantime, continue to look for opportunities to enrich yourselves within Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, Mr. Hendron Parker, we were hearing you earlier. Uh, sorry about that. Um, uh, can you? Are you with us now, Mr. Hendron Parker? Yeah. Oh yes. I I didn't realize that I had muted my no my problem. mic. No problem. But what would you want to leave us with as we uh, close off this segment? Yes, I was saying that um, the banks have been taking a very risk-averse approach to lending. And um, and not here, we need to look at investment as a means of raising capital. And that the structures, business structures, need to look seriously look at becoming more corporate and more public and move towards uh, more efficient um, um, and professional management and provide put themselves in a position where they become uh, available for investment um, uh, what what we, what we need to do is to mobilize the capital that is available locally um, even outside of the ac activities that uh, normally take take place, um, so um, I'm encouraging business to look uh, look at how they're structured to towards um, in, improving their management and towards uh, seeking uh, fi capital raising financing through offering of shares and for people to take. Take, take that step and, and and really help us to mature the the financial market locally. And uh, Ms. Erica Edwards, uh, what final word would you wish to leave us with as we close off this segment? I wish to encourage the public. Now is the time to start looking at your financial situation, your financial health. Um, you need to look and and I do applaud the government for the REOC offer. I do want people to understand that every type of investment is not for everyone. And you have to ensure that you have the tolerance for this type of investment. People do want to die. People should diversify as well in terms of their investing. So you can keep a little bit of safe, a little bit of risk. Um, but the most important thing is to get the information. So if you, are, if you don't understand, 
get the advice of a financial advisor because almost every type of investment comes with some level of risk. So I do encourage persons, look at your portfolio, look at your situation and get advice if you need to. And with that, we want to say thank you to Ms. Erica Edwards. She's a business development professional working in the insurance industry. Uh, also, we say thank you to Mr. Hendron Parker. He's a business services consultant. And we say thank you to Mr. Jeremy Stephen, who joined us from Barbados. He's a financial analyst. Uh, thanks to all three of you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you again, Stephen.